Welcome to Seriously Awkward. Sounds good. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll go ahead and, oh, I'm sorry. I'll go ahead and record for myself as well, because then I can like promo it on my show too. You can like, promo it. it you can, you can throw it away. You can use bits and pieces and make me sound like a complete jerk. <laughs> I may be, I don't know. All depends on the way you cut it. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, my, the, so the, the, the point of my co- podcast is, is I just enjoy having conversations with people and I talk about whatever comes to mind. Uh, so today on our podcast, well, not our podcast, it's just me right now. Nate is not with me, but I am with a guest. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Liesl. Um, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like usually I just... You know, my first name is, is usually enough, but um, yeah, like Madonna, I like to just, just be Liesl, but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. What do you want to know about me? You don't um, say anymore. Did you know that we <laughs> go all the way back into the days of doing stand-up comedy together? <laughs> yeah, the like, I, re- I it's, it feels like that was a really long time ago. It was a long point. time ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, even though it was like, maybe, was it like a year or two? Was that? It was two years ago. Because we literally met waiting in line to like write on the the right. sign up sheet for the open mic yeah. at at the local nine oh seven, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, yeah. have you done any more than that? So, like, I thought about it. Um, I feel like it's one of those things that you kind of have to really go for, <laughs> or like not. And right. I, it, you know. It was so nerve wracking. Like, I feel like my set went pretty well, but I was so like on edge the whole time leading up to it that I actually just like, (laughs) I uh, drank enough beer that I like kind of don't recall the exact parts that went really well. So like I had no data to analyze from for myself, like what worked and what didn't. Um, Yeah, I just, I almost couldn't, couldn't put myself in that position with the anxiety of it again. yeah, I still think about it, but so you the, you did the one and done. Yeah, and I think like that was kind of a you know local nine oh seven with their five minute sets being like what they use for open mics. That felt really long. So like I think if I did it again, I might start with something shorter. Right. Um, do like Jai Tai on Capitol Hill or something. You know. I, I don't know any of the other ones. I've only done. <laughs> I've only done a couple of them. I did it like seven or eight times in. I kind of figured out that you do have that adrenaline rush and you don't really remember what you said and what you fully didn't say. And I remember the first time I got on, I spouted off a bunch of stuff real quickly. And then I realized I didn't hit any of the notes that I wanted to hit. And then as far as I remember, you you did good the first time you went up. Um, you got a few laughs, which is uh, kind of rare in some <laughs> Uh, newer environments areas, a lot of people don't laugh. Yeah, I feel like it was, um, in that way, it was kind of an ego boost for me, if I'm totally honest, because I was like a theater kid, you know, back in high school. And I feel like that, I don't know, I even talked about that in the set, sort of, 
Um, yeah, so I rested on easy with like my content, you know, like I wasn't really trying to make make any big jokes. I was just talking about when I played the beast in Beauty and the Beast as like a eighth grader because um, I was like bigger than all the boys were in my class. And so, um, yeah, that was like kind of just the story I told, which is inherently funny. You know, it's an inherently weird thing to happen to a 14 year old girl. So, yeah. <laughs> so you were in theater when you were uh, growing up? How did, what got you into that? Um, I think, so I don't know. I, I know that Missoula Children's Theater is like a traveling theater group that like small towns will bring in. So there's some theater experience for like their students kind of. Um, and they came through every year. It's like two people in a van basically. And they put up like simple sets and put on like a show and like the two actors are also in the play. So it's very much like a, I don't know, meatball surgery kind of just get out a show so that little kindergartners have a, some kind of theatrical outlet thing. Um, and I never made it. <laughs> like I tried out every year and I was never good at it. And, um, my mom pointed out because I was like a big kid. <laughs> like I just not like necessarily even fat. I just grew really tall and like I looked much older than I was. And she was like, well, they want kids who are older, who look younger and cute, but you're younger and you just look older. <laughs> and I was like, well, damn. Um, used to say you're tall and ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah. They're like, you just, you just look like an awkward fifth grader when you're like, you know, in second grade. So kids, that was, cute ones that's <laughs> my cute that's, that's a mean thing to say to people <laughs> yeah the things my mom said to me were <laughs> really she was always very like straightforward about that sort of thing right um yeah so i you know i knew where i stood <laughs> like i was i was never delusional delusional about about any of that but uh yeah i to my advantage though when i got into like middle school and like seventh grade i just kind of realized i was like really loud and that that's half of being good at theater when you're in middle school. It's just being loud enough. And um, yeah, so I started getting like parts that were really fun. I played, I think my first role was the Duchess in Alice in Wonderland. Um, And I just yelled in a fake British accent pretty much the whole time. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. (laughs) Do you, were were you able to take that anywhere to do any sort of acting outside of the school realm or anything like that or yeah I did community theater um a good amount like kind of a range of things um there were some musicals that I did um I was also Scar in the Lion King which is kind of funny because I'm like I'm always like for a while there I was always like you're a a Scar from the Lion King yeah (laughs) I was Scar from Lion King the Beast from Beauty and the Beast be prepared. Be prepared. Yeah, <laughs> which was like my voice wasn't really deep enough to carry it, so I just kind of yelled it in as guttural a way as I could, you know. I, I want to hear it. <laughs> oh God, I don't. I, I, I mm, I'm just gonna drink my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tried. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like that same year, I was um, Shere Khan. In the Jungle Book. So I was just like some kind of large animal for like my first several roles, really, after the Duchess. Okay. I don't know. I seem menacing, I guess. <laughs> was it because you were beating up on everybody? Yeah, I was just I was just a, a large cat with aggression issues. Oh. That was my... <laughs> like it. <laughs> that was my brand. That's cool. I mean, everybody's got to have their brand that they go with. And large cat 
mean, large mean cat is one way to go with things. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what have you been doing? Uh, so you, you, you did that. And then where did that lead to? Did that lead into anything or did you just kind of like drop off the face of the earth and never look back on all that stuff? So like, I still think about it sometimes. I think about going back just because like it, with my siblings in particular, it's very natural to like come up with like characters. And so I've thought about like sketch stuff before um, just cause I don't know, stuff is funny. It's fun to make fun of things. <laughs> and it's just an opportunity to do that. No, it is um, not. Life is serious. You need to take it serious. <laughs> everything, everything about life is very super serial. super serial exactly yeah um yeah which is i mean it's kind of funny because on the like my degree is in political science and then i did teacher america and like kind of was thinking about going into more education and now i do radio production and podcasting and so it's like i don't know it's kind of been several shifts i feel like communication has always been a big part of them and i would argue that i teaching middle school theatrical like experience is a good thing (laughs) so yeah. I don't think it can hurt. Well, I mean, tech, I mean, if like something on stage falls on a kid, then it can hurt them. But I don't think it could <laughs> actually hurt anybody to get themselves out there and put them. I think it's actually a good thing to put yourself into somebody else's shoes in in a way, even if it's a performance of being a, a cat or whatever. <laughs> uh, it allows you kind of to expand your, you know, who you are even if it is just for a brief second. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it gives you kind of more of a, if you're expressing this other character, then it almost gives you more permission to like express yourself too. Like, I feel like they're very much connected abilities. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I, when I was younger, I, I was a very shy person and, but I would put myself into some uh, local local like church plays or whatever. And I would have people come up to me and say, like, I would, I would use those opportunities to be the loudest and expressive version of myself. And I would have people come up to me and say, one, I didn't know you could talk. And two, uh, (laughs) you're probably the best part of the, whatever thing that they were watching. And I, I never followed through with any of that. Also, um, I, I would show sometimes I would show up to do the rehearsal, the, you know, the, the I would try to get a part and they were, you know, they wanted a part. They wanted me in the play, but they didn't <laughs> want me because I'm I was also a kid. So I was a little bit all over the place. So <laughs> I was good at what I did, but I was all over the place. So <laughs> so a lot of times they're just like, well, you're you would fit the role good. But, you know, hey we have a part as a person that kind of walks by in the background. Like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not going to show up to practices to walk in the background of something. <laughs> it's terrible. Anyways, that's my yeah. in life. It reminds me of um, in the office when Dwight Schrute says he played the role of Muti, the mailman in Oklahoma. <laughs> they had to start inventing roles because there were too many kids. Yeah, like, that's kind of how I felt was they were just going to invent a role as I was going to be a cop in the background. And I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> how would I just not be in it? That would be better. <laughs> exactly. I just go do something else. Like that doesn't sound fun. Right. 
Yeah. So did you like, would you be interested in getting back into like a theater thing? Was that some of the idea behind joining a stand-up or? No, my my whole idea of doing stand-up is because I just always wondered if I could do it. And I've seen a lot of people, uh, a lot of people do it. I, I, I find myself to be a awkward but funny person and but I was I could never find my real voice on stage. I I'm like a combination of a whole bunch of different things, and I I, I kind of like to read the crowd crowd, and I'm very into improv. And when I'm just standing up there by myself, I have nothing to play off of. Like if you yeah. if you say something, I can I immediately have like ten jokes that come into my head. But if I'm just standing in front of people and I try to tell a joke it does, or tell a story, it doesn't come off as as well to me. So I never really took the time to figure that whole thing out. But I, I at least wanted to try it out and see where I was going. But I stopped because I started getting sick because I was, you know, you show up there and you sign up at nine. And then sometimes you don't, even if you're one of the first people to sign up, you don't get on until like 11 or 12 or sometimes even later than that, then I, and then I had to get up at work the next day at six o'clock in the morning. And I found there was one, time, <laughs> one time I was working myself so much and doing that, that I literally threw up at work. Oh no, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. Can't do that. I mean, I can, you technically you can, you can do whatever you want, but it's not like, fair enough. But <laughs> You probably shouldn't. (laughs) So I was like, I probably should stop this. So. Yeah. That's like, I don't know. I totally get that though. And that it's also, I feel like for me, it was just the stress. And I'm like, am I, is this going to have enough payoff for me to keep doing it? And like at that moment, the answer was no, you know? That's what it was for me is like, if I kept pushing on this, was I, one, I was in a room full of a bunch of comedians and I found that everybody else was kind of looking at their notes, just trying to get on stage next, not really paying attention to anybody else. So it was hard to get a laugh in there. Even you got a laugh. So that's, that's really good. <laughs> um, but I, I find I'm more into improv. I'm more into, I would actually rather do some sort of stage performance type thing that would more suit me. But yeah, I don't know. Who knows? May travel down that road someday. Most likely not because <laughs> the, the stage I am in life. But I enjoy I enjoy this, the, the podcast and just having people on talking and just having a conversation with people. I don't really have an opportunity to hang out with or any, you know, spend yeah. time meet interesting and different people, different points of view, which if they don't agree with me, they're in trouble. No, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. I have no <laughs> philosophy like that in my entire life. I, I prefer actually, I like to hear people's opinions on thing and then figure out why they think that way. Or, or what's the, what's the term? Like we have a lot of uh, thoughts that in, in society, it, in your thought, in your mind at the time, it works. It's amazing. And then you try it in, in practice and the whole thing blows up because nobody thinks that way. And you either have to force people to think that way or uh, the whole thing is not going to work. 
So uh, I just, I don't know. I, I just enjoy people and, and people's thought patterns. So, yeah, I feel like working in, or like the fact that my, my background is more in like politics. Um, yeah. I feel like that's, it's very true that idealistic policy doesn't tend to work out well, just because it's like, unless everyone's going to willingly cooperate with a really idealistic policy, um, does tend to frequently blow up. Like that's pretty common. Like groupthink is dangerous, you know, particularly when you're, when you're passing a policy or passing laws. So anyway, let's take yeah. and go into your podcast. Let's yes. talk about that thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Disagreeable Subjects is the name of my podcast. And it initially started, I was like, I'm going to do like a deep dive into these big issues that people don't like talking about very often, or they can like ignite at dinner parties. And I'm going to, you know, go into both their history and also major arguments made about them and kind of dissect them. It was kind of too big of a premise, to be honest. Um, so I started off and I did a few different kind of series about particular topics. So the first one was abortion. <laughs> I think one of them is like four hours long. It was like the history of abortion. Um, so if you want to know about the history of abortion, like there it is. But um, yeah, it's kind of shifted over time to not be focused on like, let's deep dive into everything about this particular issue. And it will be more like what there's kind of a focus now on how we talk about issues rather than specifically what the issues are and how they're in like the, the facts of a debate, just because I don't tend to believe that we make up our minds based upon the facts that are presented to us. I think we make up our minds based upon a lot of other things. Um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of talk about that a lot more now. Um, so like a couple of the, the shows that are kind of in the works at the moment, um, I just interviewed the authors of a book called Grandstanding okay. that is their philosophy professors. And uh, I interviewed one of them and just talked about like <laughs> what grandstanding looks like, how we use it in our debates um, and how it sort of shifts culture. Um, and then I do, I have a couple coming out now on like the real housewives <laughs> and how money specifically, because there were so many topics you could talk about there, but I, I pulled in some folks that I know who like love real housewives um, yeah, we kind of talked about like how money specifically is discussed in different franchises and how it changes franchise by franchise. Like in some franchises, marrying into wealth is totally seen as great and legitimate and fine. And some franchises, um, major age gaps in relationships are seen as, as terrible. And in some they're like encouraged. So kind of dissecting how they think about money and relationships, I guess. So it, it has, a, it has a wide range of topics that we talk about now, but there's always this focus on like how we're responding to the issues around us. Okay. I mean, that, that makes sense to me in many different ways. I find, I find we go into a topic or we have these certain philosophies about life and I don't, it's whether either it's life stance or whatever. A lot of times we have this idea of how things work and then when you actually dissect how things work it doesn't really work the way that we think it works or or the way we <laughs> more often the more we think it should work um when, yeah. when you kind of pull it apart and you go okay um i understand this is your belief and this is your philosophy but let, let's 
pull it apart and see. Um, let's see. I mean, let's dissect this thing and and see what what, what actually makes this thing go and and where we are uh, not intentionally destroying the thing that we actually want um, mm. in many different ways. Do you so, have like a particular thing in mind as you're as you're thinking of that? Well, so it's it's hard to say. So we are in a crazy, slightly crazy political environment right now. I don't like to get too much into politics and stuff like that because it's just not it's not my thing. I I do I do like talking politics when I I can have a conversation with somebody. I don't like I don't like talking politics with somebody that just wants to prove that they're right and then they'll use certain tactics just to shut down a conversation. It's not fun to me. I don't really enjoy the 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 whole thing, but I I I enjoy just finding out what people think on like like subjects like the abortion or or other uh, other subjects. I like to find out where they start and where they end. Um, I know you, you re- one of the podcasts I listened to recently of yours was you were talking about Bernie Sanders and, and people I- idolizing them. And, yeah. And why do we find these people and we, we put our hopes and our dreams into these people and, and they're just people. They're, they're, they're prone to fail. They are messed up, but we find that there's a whole group of society that just goes, Oh yeah, no, I'm for everything that they stand for. And you go, are are you really for everything that they stand for? Oh yeah, they're they're basically my religion. And um I find that a lot of politics nowadays, it it's it's a different form of a religion. And it just Yeah. It, it makes me laugh because I, I came from a religious background and I I I've seen it, I've pretty much seen everything. <laughs> And I, I've, uh, I immediately I go, oh, I know exactly what's going on here. You, you, you're seeing things in the way that you say this person or this thing, whether you were for Biden or, or Trump or uh, for whoever you want, they're not going to save you. <laughs> yeah, like they, I, I kind of think of the the in in many ways the the presidency as as the mascot for the country. That he doesn't really play on the field, but he does get the crowd to cheer and do other things for. Because <laughs> every, everybody, yeah. everybody else does the actual work. He just sits there and he signs a paper, and then he, you know, right now he just tweets about stuff and it gets people mad. And I'm just like, why are you <laughs> mad? He, like, you don't. Nobody really knows him. I don't know him. I have never had a conversation with him. I don't expect to have a conversation with him. <laughs> so I I don't love him. I don't hate him. I just think he's a person that's just out there in the ethos that does things that why should I allow that to influence when I go pick up groceries? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or work around my house or, or or do any of the other stuff. Oh man, why are you having a bad day? Well, because Trump did you hear what Trump tweeted? I don't care. What does it matter? I got yeah. in the backyard and that's all <laughs> I I'm, I'm here to, I'm here at the store to pick up some stuff so I can do my actual life. And that has so little impact on my life. I don't understand why people obsess about something that 
actually does not affect their life. I think it's interesting. The, I guess I feel like if they, they want to focus on something that really affects their lives, you know, any political person would tell you it's like state and local elections. Mm-hmm. Like that's the big one. Right. And those are not nearly as glamorous and sexy, but um, I think it's, it's interesting to me, this came up the other day that someone was very angry at my mom because she doesn't tend to vote for a major party pretty much ever. And she has her conscience and beliefs about why that is. And the person, it was a friend of hers, was accusing her of um, putting her conscience over like the lives of marginalized people. Is right. It was the claim. Um, as though Washington State's going to vote for Trump anyway. I'm just, you know. <laughs> but um, it it was interesting just because it was like this assumption that it's the fault of people who like vote third party or have a different way of thinking about it that the two major parties can't connect their message to all of those folks who don't vote at all. Like it's sort of putting the blame in a weird place and it's getting really entrenched into these, into sort of this two party thinking. Um, yeah. And so kind of, as you mentioned, like it doesn't affect when I go get groceries, it doesn't affect the work I need to do in my yard. Like I think oftentimes it's seen as this virtuous thing to be politically active uh, to the point where people get angry at you if you're not, but really that's kind of on the party. That's on the political mechanism to make it relevant as opposed to sort of just blaming people for like not being interested enough, you know? Right. I think, I think part of the problem in, I've heard that a lot lately. If you don't vote for, if you don't vote for Trump, that's a, that's a vote for Biden. If you don't vote for Biden, that's a vote for Trump. Uh, Vote for the person you want to vote for because if you don't like either, nothing nothing ever changes unless you decide to change the way you vote and and who you want to vote for. And and who you want to vote for is 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 somebody that's more towards your philosophy in life. And if neither person are towards the philosophy of life you want, don't vote for that. And do and I I I will disagree with anybody that has to say that, you know, voting for a, any sort of third party uh, is a vote for the other guy. It's not. It's a vote for the third party, which, which I would rather have is the third party <laughs> win. And I can't get the third party to win if nobody votes for the third party. <laughs> That's yeah. It's interesting. The number of people who talk about how like somehow being a multi-party system would be helpful what, but they won't vote third party to make that ever happen. It's yeah. My um, fiance is Australian and I don't think having a wide array of parties necessarily solves as many things as people act like it does. Um, but it is kind of interesting to see that contrast of like, they have, they have a, a party called uh, Nick Xenophon team. Cause there was a guy named Nick Xenophon who wanted his own party and he was in, parliament for a while and then he actually left politics to go back to his like home community but this nick xenophon team is like still an australian political party (laughs) so i thought was pretty great i'm like that should just be the liesel team that'll be my party i don't know about that i'm kind of (laughs) not a fun guy cool guy it's a a good name right good name I mean, at least it could be like a deodorant or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would I would go for that. Try Zignotophon. 
<laughs> Leave you fresh and clean all day long. <laughs> and it really like, like a toothpaste? Yeah, or a toothpaste. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I use Zethanonophon in the morning. Oh, <laughs> sounds like some sort of like pill that you take too. So, no, never mind. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I had problems standing up, and then I took Zethanonophon. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that is actually I never thought about that. I just thought like for me, I was like it sounds like an like an X Men character. Also, <laughs> I was like just imagining like somebody in like tight spandex, you know, like making a point of order in parliament or however they run their, however parliaments run. I don't know. They, they all wear wigs. I know that. <laughs> so an X-Men with a wig. Yeah. It's <laughs> with a wig and he's got a gavel that he uses as like a hammer. So <laughs> I can see that too. It would work good. Yeah. I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Me, me too. I think. Yeah. But yeah. At least see the pilot, and we'll see how it goes from there. <laughs> there's, there's some solid Australian television shows. We should write to somebody. Be like, hey, have you guys thought of? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. The, did- and I've already done that, and they've already said, yes, I have thought of that, and <laughs> we cannot get the rights to it. He will not sign it over to us. So <laughs> They're like, yes, obviously. <laughs> have you... um? just kind of on the note of like weird Australian television, but also stand up. <laughs> um, have you watched it's on Amazon last one laughing last one laughing. No. Yeah. No, it's a series it's, that is hosted by rebel Wilson. And initially I thought like it was going to be like an Australian last comic standing. It is not. They take 10 famous Australian comedians, at least within Australia, and put them in a room together for six hours. Oh, and yeah, and they, they, you have to try not to laugh. Yeah, yeah. and it's so weird. <laughs> like, it gets very, very strange. Um, but it is sort of worth watching. Like, by the end, it's, like, not really even fun anymore. It's just, like, a strange social experiment, and you're just like, what is happening? Wait, um, I can yeah. imagine it de-evolving very fast into a bunch of insane people being in the room just trying to figure out who can get out first. Yeah. And they actually have like penalties for like, if you don't participate enough, if you're like not making yourself vulnerable to laugh, then you can be pulled from the room and lose as well. So it's like a, it's a cool thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's strange. That one's a strange one. I might check that one out. No promises on that. (laughs) (laughs) It was when it like, so once um, Joe, my fiance and I started like watching it, it was like late at night. We're like, okay, maybe like watch an episode and then like go to bed. But like, we just couldn't look away after a while. We're like, this has just gotten so bizarre. And like, he knew who a lot of the comics were that like I didn't, because I guess they are, you know, well known enough in Australia, but uh, yeah, I just couldn't look away. It gets weird. It gets weird. He's from Australia. What part of Australia? Um, he is from the southeast coast, so kind of like between Sydney and Melbourne on the coast. Cool. Nice. How'd you yeah. meet him? Where there's, I'm sorry. How'd you meet him? Um. So he worked for Microsoft at the time. So he was living over here, and um, yeah, we just like had a mutual friend, and I was out to dinner with her, and like actually. He checked in on the Foursquare app and she had also checked in on the Foursquare app because they both tried to be mayor of a lot of places on Capitol Hill at the time. 
And um, yeah, so they like he saw that she was there as well. So he came over to like say hi. And uh, I just thought he was really interesting. So he came over to say hi and get out of my country or (laughs) out of my (laughs) castle. Um, yeah, seriously, I'm the mayor now. Um, yeah, he was just, I don't even remember. I think our first actual conversation, we were talking about like different attitudes toward land, like sort of comparing like African-Americans in the South and the, like the idea of like land ownership and how that evolved over time and Aboriginal people in Northern Australia and like how their attitudes toward land are the same or different and that was like the first thing we ever talked about (laughs) so i don't know how we got onto that topic really like i don't know where that started but that was like our first conversation and now we're theoretically we would have been married last weekend if it weren't for covid so (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's fun that's great congratulations on not getting married yet (laughs) i know right it was just kind of like my uh, future sister-in-law just sent me like a screenshot uh, the day. It just said like 8 a.m. America. <laughs> and she was just like, that's what I would have shown up. <laughs> is is he over there now? Is he in lockdown with everybody else? Or, or no, he he's here. here. Okay. He's just good. in the other room. <laughs> Hello. I don't think he can hear you. <laughs> Headphones in. So does he. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you met him. He was there the night I did the stand-up thing. I don't believe I did meet him. I, yeah. I met you. We hung out. We talked. We laughed. We made fun of everybody else. <laughs> we went home because we were tired. Not together, separately. Yeah, that's- <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so let's get back to the, the, your podcast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, what more do you want to know? What's there? Or do you just? Well, no. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, so, you found that yourself is getting deeper into more dissecting, like what people, I guess the way people think on the whole on the whole process. Uh, what makes you interested in that? Um, I think it's a few things. Um, one is that I am also from kind of a religious background, and so like. I think watching people do sort of mental gymnastics to make aspects of their religion work when I was younger, when they could even see that the text maybe didn't say the thing they were claiming it said, or was translated in a really weird way, or basically the facts of reality did not line up with what they were saying in their faith. And I went to a a Baptist church, so it was kind of very evangelical, pretty hard line in a lot of things. Um, it was always just interesting to me to watch how people would continue to justify their, their points and how they, not saying all religious people do this to the level of nonsense that I saw some folks do, um, like how much they had to believe or else their whole identity would fall apart. And I think when it comes to like political arguments and I don't know, views on a lot of the major issues that are happening right now. I think you see that same sort of motivation often. It's like, I have to be this kind of progressive or I have to support Trump or I have to, it's almost this, this sense that how they have defined themselves as a person is so caught up in 
these, what they perceive as values, but frequently are just sort of policy decisions, um, that they can't let it go. So having a rational argument, having a debate isn't really a, 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 I don't think it's necessarily the best option in those instances because you're arguing against someone's full identity. And so, yeah, I think, so me dissecting kind of how we talk about this for me is a way to make sense of what identity they feel they're clinging to. Right. So I've, I've thought about it this way and I, I, well, I've heard it told this way is that if you want to, if you want to have a conversation with somebody, uh, don't get them in the fighting stance, I guess is basically if, if I attack somebody's beliefs, something that they find is one of their core beliefs, they're automatically going to go from a stance of I'm willing to have a conversation into a fighting stance. And then once you're in a fighting stance that it's just defending everything, you know, you're just blocking, just trying to block everything. And so the whole, it's very difficult to have that conversation, read somebody's body language and go, okay, I feel like we just crossed the line. Let's pull it back a little bit and, um, see why I got that response out of you. Like, um, I, is, is that something that you take into effect or is that just like, you just kind of know it? I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting because like there are certain phrases I really actively avoid sort of for that reason. Um, and I avoid them generally, not just in the sense of like when I'm having an interpersonal conversation um, with a particular person, I guess. But th- saying things like, well, wouldn't you say like that phrase always is preceded by you trying to like give a point you think this other person can agree with, but actually is just going to get their hackles up even more. You know, it's just like these certain things that like put people into a defensive stance. Um, yeah, I think I take it into account, but at the same time, like, I think I make a big distinction between like, <laughs> I'm a big believer and I say it a lot that you can be a smart person saying a stupid thing. And I am, um, I want to talk about like why smart people say dumb stuff and, and how that happens. And so I try to kind of make it not as super personal as it could be, be like, I think you're a super smart person. I think you're great. I think this thing you said was not thought through and is not coming across how you seem to think it's going to, you know, like I try to break that down a little bit so it doesn't feel as personally attacking. Um, But I also think at the same time, there are going to people who will feel personally attacked by you having an opinion at all. (laughs) So you got to kind of just be like, all right, sometimes that's going to happen if you're going to talk about anything, you know? Yeah. I I find that there's, you're not going to get a Here's, here's the thing about life. You're not going to get along with anybody. Everybody. You're not going to be friends with everybody. Stop trying to be friends with everybody because some people like to play bingo. Other people like to play basketball and other people just like to sit and watch the whole thing. You're not going to be friends with all those people. And so try to, I try to treat people with respect in, in their own way, but I'm not going to, I'm also not going to, just believe what they're saying just to believe what they're saying. I that's that part of it is is I got that from the being around the church is is uh in the church 
I found that everybody was telling me, well, you have to believe this certain saying and you have to respond in this certain way and you have to, uh, all these people are somebody you inspire to be. And I, in many ways I was like, they're just people. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you look at the Bible, it's just, it's, it's a writing of a bunch of people who were trying to do their best in the situation that they were in at the time. And most of them screwed up really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and basically we have, we have some text and email that says that, <laughs> that basically how they lived their lives and they didn't do it that great. Um, but, and that just tells me that I can do it not that great as well and be on the same level as them, but not, I, they're not, they're not looking up themselves in the Bible and going, what would I do? They're just like, I'm just going to do this in the situation. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think my big thing too, with the, with the Bible, and this is actually less, I realized with the Bible itself, more with the church, I think maybe now, um, is, is how, what a cop out things like sin are. You know, I like, I tend to be of the belief that people do bad shit because they either it was the best situation or the best option they had at the time, or they just wanted to, like, I do think there are people who just wanted to do the terrible thing. And so they did, you know, David and Bathsheba style. Um, And it's, it was interesting to me just to be in this church that always blamed everything on sin. And I'm like, you know, maybe you just wanted to sleep with that person out of wedlock. Maybe you just, you know, there are options here. Maybe you do have some agency. Maybe it's not all this big metaphorical battle of good and evil. Maybe you're kind of a dick. Yeah. No, that's (laughs) kind of my whole thing is, is let's, let's take the, the religious side of it is going, all right. Yes, there's sin in the world, blah, blah, blah. Okay, people screw up. But the problem is, is that dissolves any of your responsibility in the situation. And your responsibility should be, I did this thing because I wanted to, or because I wanted that hamburger because it sounded good. It smelled good. It's not a sin. It's just something I did. Somebody could, somebody could say, well, you shouldn't have had 16 of them. Or a, little, a little gluttonous that day, I guess. Whatever. You can say that it's a sin, or you can just say that's just a person responding in the situation that they were at. Mm-hmm. And um, am, am I going to judge that person and how they live their lives? I'm like, why? Why? I, why do I, I – I find it funny that in many different religion – cultures that they want to bash somebody for who they love or, or, you know, they're with whatever. I don't want to know who my, uh, my straight friends, I don't want to know them who they're sleeping with. I don't want to know. <laughs> anything. I don't, I don't want to think about either side. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Like why? I don't understand the philosophy of why should I try to control somebody's life that I have an interaction of maybe 3.2 minutes in my entire month or less than that. Why should I try? Why do I care? I should be, I should care about the person. I should care about what they're going through at the time and stuff like that. That's more important than what other, other things they're doing. Whether they're, you know, gay, lesbian, straight, Mexican, Canadian, I don't know, uh, not Canadian. I don't like. Them. I like how there's sexual orientations, and then also Mexican and Canadian. 
whatever, whatever your thing is, I don't know. Right. Whatever the thing is. I don't I'm not a big fan. <laughs> My grandmother is Newfoundlanders, like the so they're like Canadian-ish. Yeah, well, I, we're we're my my family is technically French Canadian. Part of it, I don't like that part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I explained why I like French fries so much. So, not I mean, poutine. You're not just like a poutine addict. No, not a no. I, I've I've actually never had that, but I've heard it's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, how a, could you go wrong? It's French fries, <laughs> gravy, and and cheese curd. You know. <laughs> But yeah, I don't, going back to the thing, I don't understand why people, especially in the religious realm, but also in, in, in politics realm, where we base things off of trying to control or manipulate people that you have less interaction than, like, my, the thing is, is I find that people think that they're more important than what they are to other people. If I... If I have an if I have an interaction with somebody at the store and I get in a fight with them and we yell at each other and somebody all that happens is is that person goes home says maybe one or two times that I got in an argument with some jerk at the store and then they move on to their day. Oh okay, well what else is going on? You're not that important. <laughs> yeah, my so, grandpa. Oh sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say so why do we act like Everything we do is important to everybody else. And we, my opinion about how somebody else should live their lives is very important because in the end, it, it doesn't matter. It, you have, I like you, you're, you're pretty great. You're funny. I want to promote you as much as possible, but at the same time, you have no influence on my life. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make you go try poutine. I can just highly recommend it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And in the end, that may or may not, you know, you know, be a contributor to my life. I would rather be a, a force that if you have the interaction with me that you come away with something a little bit better or like we have a good conversation or something like that. We, I'd, I care more about the interactions. I think if you really want to change the world in many different ways, you, you infect the, the, the sphere in your realm. Uh, the people they interact with you. Yeah. I, I mean, my, my grandpa always would talk about how, you know, if we only really knew how infrequently anybody else thought about us <laughs> and we spent all this time being so worried about, you know, whether it's self-conscious about things or worried about what effect we're having on somebody when he's like, yeah, they're probably not thinking about you. <laughs> and he is a quite religious person, but that was his takeaway. Like, just people don't think about you that much, you know, <laughs> just it's, sort of freeing. It's, it is. I, I tell people that and people, <laughs> I don't know, sometimes they get sad. And <laughs> <laughs> I know because I think it can be seen as sad. It can be seen as sad, but only if you care what people think. <laughs> like, it, yeah, I find it the most freeing thing in the world to know that we will get off this conversation and you will move out with your day and you'll somebody will say, how is the podcast? And then you will say it was good. And then other than that, like, so I do Uber and Lyft for uh, for a living and I have people in my, I, well, it's been a while since I've had people in my car, but when I had people in my car, we'd have some good conversations and then at the end, I would say, but don't take my advice. I'm just an Uber driver. Don't let, <laughs> don't let, don't let my 
you know, three, four minute, 30 minute conversation in the car influence your entire life. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, and or, or do, I don't know who cares. Like <laughs> it's kind of this, um, I don't know if you ever watched D'Angelo Wallace on YouTube. Um, he's a creator I like, but he ends almost all of his videos with like, he's talking about some, some drama thing that happened or dissecting something that went on. And he just ends all, it all with like, yeah, but nobody like is going to, you know, Jeffree Star doesn't care what I say about him. So I don't know who cares. Like, and like every video almost says, I don't know who cares. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like that. I'm like, he's putting all this effort into like creating this, this really cool like video. And then it's just like, but we are, but mortal basically, <laughs> you know? Well, I, I agree with that philosophy <laughs> for the fact of I like to create things. And the reason why I do the podcast is because I like to do things. And I don't know. Will it become popular? Will it not? I have no idea. I have no control over that. But I I enjoy creating the thing and then putting it out there. And then I kind of forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I mean, yeah, I think that it. I easily get trapped in that whole, like, I, I can hear every criticism, right, that somebody might make of something that I create. And I make some pretty bold statements. And I, I feel like I go after some pretty, you know, reasonably big targets um, or people that that others really idolize and hold dear. Um, so that's, like, inherently nerve-wracking. But then it's kind of like, <laughs> why do I care if they know that I don't really like Kobe Bryant? Like, why <laughs> is that... Even if they could be so mad at me for that. You but don't like, like Kobe Bryant? Uh, no. <laughs> I did a whole podcast about how like, um, yeah. I kind of, is this oh, sorry. Just jump shot? Is it, I'm sorry? Oh, nothing. Nothing important. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just started hearing feedback of myself. So I got a little oh, distracted okay. there. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. I mean, I do. A, what did I write? Like something about something to the effect that like he didn't ever atone for anything and he definitely did it. <laughs> and if you look at it for two seconds, that's clear. Oh, and, um, Oh, the whole, that, the, the other side of not basketball thing that he did. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I find it's very interesting. Like if you have opinions about somebody and you go, well, I don't like that person. And then people are like, how can you not like that person? It's <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, the other person I attack in that particular podcast is David Bowie. I'm like, I don't think it's, you know, because like he definitely was my age sleeping with 13, 14 year olds. And right. that is super messed up and not okay. Even a little bit. He never atoned for it either. Right. And like, they're two very different characters, but they're both really held in this idol status, you know? Um, but, you know, that's the thing. It's like at the, end, at the end of the day, like, I can like or not like them. And what are people going to do? Talk mean about me on the internet? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> They're not real. The, the people that talk bad about you are not real. It's, it's like yeah. it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's only real if you make it real. It's, it's a, literally a text on something, on something imaginary in space that you can look at. And you go, oh, okay. <laughs> this person, person doesn't that, like me. <laughs> that person thinks that Kobe Bryant's the greatest basketball player of all time, and you should, you should change your opinion. Well, I'm not going to. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, I feel like that happens a lot with um, if when it, people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, if it helps, I don't like Prince. I think he's a terrible artist. <laughs> <laughs> 
there you go. See, I, I have a few that are controversial as well. Prince, not a big fan. I think he's extremely overrated. Great guitar player. His music sucked. Sorry to say. And also Nirvana, <laughs> not a big fan. <laughs> That is definitely controversial in the Seattle area, I feel like, in particular. Like, nobody listens to Nirvana, who I think, who's, like, 20 or under. Like, maybe there's a few Gen Zers down there who, like... Oh, no, tons of them do. And, <laughs> like... Okay. Because I, I was involved with the music scene, and somebody would come mm-hmm. up to me, and they would say, hey... Um, I would say, so, what do, you, what do you like? They'd be like, oh, I like this band, this band. Oh, I'm really into Nirvana. I'm like... Yeah, but like, does that mean they've listened to more than like three songs? I'm like, I feel like there's a lot of like Nirvana posturing, you know? I think so. I think it's like one of those bands where you say, well, yeah, I like this band. Oh, you are in the know. (laughs) (laughs) Young man, I will take you to the front of the line. I didn't know you were a big fan of Nirvana. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I remember it so when I was teaching, this is just kind of a, a funny music. My students universally loved Nicki Minaj. And like, if you're teaching, you know, fifth and sixth grade, so they're like 11 to 12 years old on average. And, um, they don't, they think you're like a million years old. I was 22, but they thought I was like a million years old. I was the oldest person ever. And, um, at one point I pointed out like, yeah, Nicki Minaj is like a good amount older than me. And they like, like a, they lost their minds. They could not handle the fact that this old, uncool teacher was actually younger right. than this musician they thought was cool. Like it, it was amazing. My favorite thing. <laughs> that's, that's apropos of nothing, but also it's just a funny story that I love. <laughs> no, I think I think that's great. <laughs> and Minaj is is old. Sorry, she's like it's kind old. of older now, which is sort of inspiring because you're like, all right, I can right. If you, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Be sexy when I'm older too, I guess. I don't know how that really affects me other than like, sure, why not? You know? <laughs> it affects you. It affects your life huge. <laughs> I know. Uh, what's her name? Nikki Minaj? She, <laughs> she affects my life in so many different ways. I don't even know. I like the what's her name. I'm like... <laughs> I don't I don't even know how to I couldn't even spell her name if I if I had to but that she affects my life. I just know that. <laughs> I mean, I will say I think the Pink Friday album is worth listening to. That was her p- first big one. Uh and it's I nice will to take see that under advisement. I will <laughs> definitely think about it and then immediately forget about listening to that album. E protein <laughs> listen to Pink Friday. Right. You might do that on the same day. Yeah. I was told to do this. You, now I have to. Now I have to do I it. I have to. America, you cannot stop me. <laughs> so, uh, what, do you, what do you got coming up on your uh, podcast? Do you so, any- we have the show about grandstanding um, that's coming out, I think, this week, probably tomorrow. Um, and then, honestly, like I have started to <laughs> create compilations of this I just love reality TV it's terrible I don't defend its quality so much as I defend the fact that there are valuable things to learn from reality TV and watching Game of Thrones or something like that is not inherently like better it's just kind of elitist you know um so I I have one breaking down how one particular housewife talked about Trump's election and coming from this perspective of she's an extremely um left-wing 
person. She married a Kennedy. She was a reporter for ABC News. Um, and then she became real housewife. <laughs> and um, then it, it, she, the way she talks is so reminiscent of how people in Seattle generally talk of this is clearly what's going to happen. This is clearly what should happen. And if it doesn't, then the world is wrong. Then history is wrong. And I'm on the right side of it at the end. And she she's talked that way about everything <laughs> for about four years, you know, since he was elected. Um, and it's kind of a deep dive into like how people respond to that sort of attitude with The Real Housewife as an example. So it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, so we got at least... Those are kind of what I'm working on right at this moment. Um, I have a, I went through my list of ideas, which is 146 topics long right now. So we'll have to condense it. I'll probably be going after, you know, I tend to, I try to balance out going after someone who's doing something I don't like with highlighting someone that I do. So there's people I'm reaching out to right now who I think have done like great stuff that's sort of courageous or amazing in small ways. Um, so I guess you'll have to just like stay tuned and, and see what comes out. At that point, <laughs> I've liked what I've heard so far. Um, Thanks. I've I've listened to a few episodes, and I would say they are great. Go listen. Yeah. Though you do have, also you have like oh, the NPR's kind of tone when you talk on the thing. Is there a reason why you chose that? <laughs> I don't think I so much chose it as like, uh, that's just kind of what my voice sounds like. My mom, you're kind of back to somber thing or <laughs> and I, I like it. It's good, but yeah. Um, my mom always would be like enunciate Liesl. Like she was very like, <laughs> I need to talk better basically. And um, yeah, I think it kind of comes from that. Like when I'm talking and, you know, going through like my notes or a script. Um, yeah. I I just sound like that because of my mom. You're welcome. I'm glad I can make you self-conscious about what you <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is really, so I produce other shows as well that like I'm not the host of. And um, yeah, I have one host who either jumps way up and is like, hello, <laughs> you know, or, or goes way down and then just loses all of her energy. And it's really interesting. Like you just put a mic in front of people and it can change their... Uh, how they come across. Well, I I do know that like when you put a microphone in front of me, I say, I will, I will upplay my personality a bit just because like, if you meet me in an everyday situation, I'm pretty funny, but I'm very relaxed and kind of go with the flow type of person. But you put a mic in front of me, I want to create a certain atmosphere of let's have fun. Let's, you know, Oh, you said yeah. that. so like my my comedy usually comes out of like you say something, I immediately think of something funny. Sometimes I say what's on my mind, other times I don't because it's not appropriate <laughs> for children under fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> not really. It's never usually go that bad, but I, I just real I just a funny moment for me in life sometimes. It's yeah. the same it's the same in real life. I see all these things happening and I have that thought of that what <laughs> that just makes me laugh and I just can't say it because I have no audience to listen to or it'd be completely out of context to everybody else. In normal life, people if I say stuff, people look at me and go, Oh, 
what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and I feel like that's maybe why people start going into things like podcasting, to be honest, because it's like, because you want to have a context in which you can say the things you think of. Right. And they're not always appropriate. Or like in my instance, I feel like the, your conversations are short most often, or if you're with a group, you have to give like the highlight of what you're thinking, which can easily be misinterpreted. So like, I'd rather not say it at all if I can't give yeah. people context around it. And I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at as well. I don't, not going to respond to people over a text message because I, or, or, you know, tweet something out because everything can be like, I find that the lowest form of communication is over text. Um, the best is person to person. And, and in between is all the other steps like text though is the worst because the state in which the person is at and where they read it, it can be completely different than what is actually said. I could say, have a good day in text, but you could be having a terrible day and read it as, Oh, have a good day. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're mad at me for no reason. And which, I mean, it, it all depends on the emotional state and where the person is at, where they read the thing and how they interpret the thing when they read it. So. Yeah. It's also funny, like with, with like any kind of written thing or with the text, um, there are also those people who are really, I don't know how to put it. Um, they come across badly because they are not, because they're an asshole. You know, that's why they come across badly. And then they use the medium as a defense of why you just read it wrong. But you're also like, but I also know you and you're a jerk. And so it's (laughs) kind of interesting. I'm like, I just don't even want to give them that excuse. Like, I don't want them to have the excuse of, oh, well, people who know me know that I'm nice, basically, or know that I meant that as a joke. I'm like, well, then learn to write better. Like, maybe take a course, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and it's still kind of like on you what you say. But, like, you know, within reason, and I don't know. I just am like, I, I see so many cop-outs about that of, oh, I just don't come across best this way. And I'm like, well, then that's on you. Learn better. <laughs> right. If I, if, if I, I don't come across good in that, in that way, then you probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, nothing is forcing you to type at a keyboard, you right. know? I mean, somebody is there with a gun saying, you better write this and you better write it now. This <laughs> insensitive thing that you're about to spew into the universe. Yeah. Or just like, I don't know, as soon as you start having to tell people like, no, I'm really this way. Like, maybe take a step back. Right. I actually just <laughs> ended an argument online the other day just by saying like, hey, if you're consistently misinterpreted, maybe try podcasting. <laughs> like, do it. <laughs> and I don't think they liked it. But Well, I... I can totally understand that. I So when I was younger, I kept running into situations where I would talk to people and they would get mad and say something. Because I, when I was younger, I was extremely blunt. But also, I didn't know how to have things come out properly. It would just come out with blah. And I would run into many situations where people would say something back to me and I was like, well, that's not what I said. That's you, you misunderstood after going through that a few times. I was like, well, 
Maybe they're not misunderstanding what I'm saying. Maybe there's a problem with me communicating. <laughs> it takes two so, to tango. <laughs> yeah. It's two to tango. So I started reading books on how to communicate and how to um, communicate my message better and try to think about before I just say X into the universe, go, okay, how can that be misinterpreted and how can I, I I'm still not great at it. I screw up all the time, but I don't, you know, I, I apologize for the things that I, that's not what I meant, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I just kind of go with it and go, I, you know, I'm doing my best I can. And also realistically, I am a little bit of an asshole. So like sometimes I'm going to cross that, I'm going to come across that way because I am that way. <laughs> that's true too. Yeah, that's you know, do is just go. I the the one that drives me crazy is the people that go. Well, I am. They'll say the thing. It was a dick thing to say, and they go, "Well, I'm just an ass." And I go, <laughs> "That's just my personality, or something like that." And I go, "That's not a, not that's a personality. Not a, that's that's not, just you. That's not a personality. That's people go. That's part of my personality." I'm like, "That's not part of your personality. You're just being an ass. That's it's not yeah. a personality trait." You can change yeah. that aspect of your life if you so desire. <laughs> it is my personality to just, you know, compulsively want to punch you in the face then. That's just kind of, that's, that's my personality. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't punch me in the face either because this is where all the money is made. <laughs> You can punch the left side. I don't really care about that side that much. The right side is where people see me. Wait, no, the left side because I drive a lot, so everybody needs to see me from the left side. You need you right need side. to get the the good Uber tips by being cute. Is that is that what you're <laughs> saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If if people tipped Uber drivers, that would be nice. <laughs> no, do people not like it? Shows up on the app, like right. I, I tip drivers. I don't know. I, tip your drivers, I, people. Right. I, I would say a good 98% of the people I drive do not leave a tip le- at all. Wow. That's so interesting. I didn't know that. No, it's it's very rare. It's very rare. I, when I get a tip, I go, oh, somebody gave me a tip. That's that's cool. I mean, that was very nice. But I do I, – I get – when I originally started doing it, I was I was told, "Oh, you get a lot of tips, so expect that." And when I started doing it, I was like, "No oh, tips." Every everybody thinks everybody thinks is this as something they deserve already, so they're not going to tip for something that they feel like they've already deserved. Like that's so weird. Like, I mean. The philosophy behind tipping is weird. And I do support like restaurants and things who like abolish tipping and just pay a fair wage and everybody, you know, that's great. But like currently we live in a society where people do need tips. And I just feel like if you don't, you know, it's it's a couple bucks. It auto prompts you on the screen. Like as soon as the ride is over. Right. It's like if you're in a hard enough spot, you can't afford that $2 tip. Like maybe the bus is a better option. Like once in a while, like some people are on hard times. They need to get placed quick. Okay, sure. I'm not going to judge that. But also like, come on guys. Like most people are probably not in that dire of straits. Right. Like, <laughs> there's there's a few things that are interesting about Ubering people. One, I get a lot of great conversations with people. But two, 
uh, the people I know that are going to be that tend to waste my time the most are the people I drove 15 minutes to pick up. They, I get there. It took me 15, 20 minutes to get there. They know I'm coming and then they go, I'm not ready yet. Can you wait a few minutes? And then from there I go, cause I have no idea where the person's going until I push go. I don't know how far you're going. I don't know any of that information. It's to keep people from like saying that I don't want to pick this person up. So I'll drive 15, 20 minutes. The person that says, wait here five minutes, one will not tip, also usually wants to go two to three minutes down the street, where (laughs) if they would have walked, they would have beaten me there. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yikes. So anyways. That is interesting, though. Like, I guess, you know, because I don't always hear much from the perspective of the driver. So, yeah. It's because nobody talks to us. We're very sad people. Well, like, I hear about their lives in general, but I don't really. Because, like, I met once my Uber driver. um, He had just had an arranged marriage. And so we talked about that. That was an interesting situation. Yeah. He, like, he was initially from India. And so he was, like, tired of dating. And so his sister and his mom went to India and like found someone for him to date or to marry. And yeah, he was like, so that's, that's just, I don't know how he ended up talking about that. It's not like I asked like, Oh, Hey, did you have an arranged marriage? (laughs) You look Indian. Um, (laughs) You know, like that. I know I didn't ask specifically about that, but it was, yeah, Yeah. that's a thing. (laughs) Apparently it is. (laughs) It, it is a huge thing. I, I've known a bunch of Indian. I've had a few Indian friends that they date like crazy. And then when it comes down to time to it, they do the arranged marriage after they've kind of lived their life for a little bit. <laughs> Probably not the worst plan. I mean, if you're looking for a companion who's like in it for like the same objectives that you are, like, I don't think it's a bad idea necessarily. No, I've already started arranging other people's marriages, and some of them are already married. So I'm like, you're going to need this. This person is on waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's kind of hilarious. It's like doom for like, <laughs> just so you know, when your marriage does fail, I've already picked out your next spouse. So, right. And you're I, welcome. Right. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I have this, this guy or girl, it's perfect for you. <laughs> But I'm married. Yeah, I know. I know, buddy. I know. Yeah, you, you jumped are. the gun on that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, now we've gone off on all weird topics. Yeah, all of the rails. We're all left far behind. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. I, I, I see a shiny thing and I just go for it. <laughs> Anyways, where can people find you? How can people look you up and all the other things that you're doing in the world? This is your time to plug away. Mm -hmm. So you can find disagreeable subjects, which is my podcast at disagreeablesubjects.com or on any podcatcher that you prefer. Um, You can also just kind of throwing this out there on disagreeablesubjects.com. I'll also be advertising and talking about the shows that I produce, not just the ones that I host. And so if you have an interest in arts and culture in Seattle, um, we're launching a new podcast that kind of focuses more on that. If you have an interest in specifically Seattle area politics, um, I have a podcast on that that I, I run hosted by a local political consultant, Crystal Fincher. So so yeah, there's like a, a few things. You can find all that information though at disagreeablesubjects.com where I'll just 
keep posting other projects that I do. All right. Sounds good. It has been a delight. Hopefully you had a good time and I didn't because you talk to professional people and I am far from it. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fun. And honestly, like I think that, um, I don't know. I think people can get really boring once they start thinking of themselves as super professional. So it's nice to talk with somebody who's like, you know, not so hung up on like being the most elite professional, you know, in the biz, right? I I am the most elite. (laughs) (laughs) This is as elite I can get and professional. You have a cool microphone set up. I can I can say that. Like it looks better than mine. <laughs> mine like little blue snowball here. That's what I said. I am professional. I am a hundred percent something. And the word <laughs> will come to me later on in the day and I'll remember it and I'll be like, ooh, got her. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it has been a pleasure. I'm gonna let you go and uh, follow her one more time, say your things. Uh, disagreeable subjects all right just look it up anywhere it's a it's a disagreeable subjects is like it automatically pulls me up so you know just google it yeah be careful what you google but google it (laughs) uh talk to you guys later all right i am out of here i don't know i've never signed out like that before why did i say (laughs) weird anyways all right bye Thank you for listening to Seriously Awkward and Friends. Please like, subscribe our Facebook page, and think about becoming a Patreon member. And listen next week. Listening to Seriously Awkward and Friends. Please like.